0: Betty. I want to welcome you to this week's edition of Bible News Radio, where today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Bible, <clears throat> then we're going to look at some of the news, and we're doing it here on the internet, which isn't really radio, but we named this when we were on Blog Talk Radio, so <laughs> anyway, hey, I want to welcome you to the show. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, one of the things that I really want to encourage you to do right now, if you if you can, is go get your Bible. Uh, We're going to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 26, uh, and I'm going to read you something from Zechariah in just a second as well. I've been reading through the book of Zechariah. I actually just finished it this morning. Quick read, but packed. Oh my gosh. The book of Zechariah is packed with so much information, and it's just very tempting to want to go deep dive into that book uh, because it's such a wonderful book the End Times Prophecy book, actually, and it's it's uh, it's quite amazing to, to look at what's going on in that book. There's so many visions and uh, different things that are happening, so check it out uh, and all that. But before we get into that, I also want to let you know that we are a non and we are actually, our website is hearttug.org or biblenewsradio.com, which way, I don't know which way to, which way do I, okay, right there. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I got a point right. Um, BibleNewsRadio.com, you can go there. It will flip over to HeartTug.org. If you go over to our main website, you can join our email list. You can see some of the areas of ministry that we're active in. And you can get to know a little bit more about Randall and me um, because, well, we are Bible News Radio. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Go over there. Hey, join our text message list. If you're if you're watching live, you can follow the text message right down there on the bottom. Text Bible News to 33222. And that's easy. All you do is you put in 33222, like the phone number you're going to text, and then type in Bible News in the message part together and then send it. And then it will ask you to confirm you want to be opted in. And when you are, then you get the message and it opts you in. Right, You'll get notified about the things we're doing in our Facebook group, uh, which is our Daily Disciples Facebook group. We have a wonderful community of friends that read the Bible in there every single day. And I'm going to tell you something. Just reading the Bible will change your life. Not even studying it. Literally just reading it will change your life. I can tell you it changed my life. Uh, 38 plus years ago um, when I had the opportunity to get a Bible and read it the word of God changed my life it did and I am in love with God's word I love his word so much I could talk about it all day long Um, and um, I love his people I love encouraging people in the word because it just is life changing. If you, if you have the Holy Spirit residing within you and He has called you to Himself, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you know what? If you're new to the show, let me just tell you that I do the show a little bit differently than a typical news show because in the typical news world, you know, it's kind of like if it bleeds, it leads. If, you know, we want to scare the daylights out of you, uh, we want you to live in fear, uh, You know, all the stuff of the world, the fleshly stuff. Um, But I don't want that for you. Um, As it is, it's hard to live in the world when you're a believer because you can see a lot of stuff unbelievers can't see, number one. And number two, we have an enemy that wants to come after us, and that's the devil. And I I was reading in Zechariah earlier this week And I'm not going to go into an in-depth study, but I wanted to share with you this verse here in Zechariah, and then I'm going to take you over to Matthew 26. So it says here in in, um, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And then it says, now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel, he spoke and said to those who were standing before him saying, remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, see, I've taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festival robes. Then I said, let him put on a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and if you will perform my service, then you will also govern my house and also have charge of my courts. And I will grant you free access among these who are standing here. Um, And there's, there's so much more to this Um, story with Joshua this isn't the Joshua of the book of Joshua by the way it's a different Joshua but what what stood out to me when I saw that was that earlier this year when I was reading through the book of Job which is said to be the oldest book in the Bible we have this backstory to Job right and and that is that you know here's Job he's blameless in God's sight he fears God he's wealthier beyond you like wouldn't believe you know i mean he was probably wealthier than the wealthiest people of today he had a big huge family he was god-fearing he had a place in the community you know everybody knew job and yet behind the scenes there was satan and he was considering job god's servant and they have that conversation in the book of job where the lord says have you been considering my servant job and 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 for what? What? What was he considering him for? He was considering Job for, sif- for sifting, for testing, just like we see with Peter, you know, Jesus uh, you know, Peter is all bold in his faith, and he's like, I will never deny you. I will never deny you, Jesus. And yet Jesus is like, well, hey, you know, when the rooster crows, uh, you will have denied me three times, but don't worry. I have prayed for you, Peter, because Satan has come to ask to sift you. And we know that God would never allow the devil to sift you or tempt you unless God knows that you're going to stand and you're not going to be, you're not going to collapse, right? We have a loving God. We have a very, very loving, gracious, merciful high priest in Jesus Christ. And so I was talking to a friend of mine this week a, a little bit about this and thinking about how right now in the 21st century, We are living in a world that the media is just trying to scare and terrify you. Um, And there's believers all over the world who are going through horrific experiences. And in fact, if you read through Zechariah, you're going to see some of the end times stuff that's going to happen, especially in Israel, uh, which, you know, is, is the apple of God's eye, right? The people, it's that that real center of God's chosen people, right, Um, you're going to look at how the enemy wants to decimate, kill, steal, destroy, malign God's people. All throughout history, we've seen this, right? Now, when you look at temptation, though, we have the grand story of the temptation of Jesus, you know, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and we see these, these stories in, in, in um, Matthew and Luke, I think it is, where, where we see specific things where the devil tempted Jesus. And we know the story. If you're a believer, you already know it. You know that, you know, he brought him up to a pinnacle, tempted him with this, and he did that, and blah, blah. And Jesus responded uh, with God's word to that temptation. have you ever considered the temptation in the Garden of Gethsemane? Have you ever considered that? And I was talking to my friend yesterday, and she, uh, we were talking, and she mentioned Gethsemane. And I thought, ooh, I haven't thought about that in a long time. So let's look at this. Um, I'm going to begin in verse 47 of Matthew 26, uh, because this is a very long chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, But prior to it, the Lord... um, um, Actually, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to start in verse 36, rather. Um, prior to this, though, we, we see that, that the Lord's Supper was instituted, and this is very important that we understand why the Passover, the, the Supper there, the Lord's Supper, that, that we eat, we, we partake of this. We bring, we drink um, the blood, right, the juice or wine, which represents Jesus's blood, Right. And then we eat the bread, which was crushed. That's his body. And then, picking up in Matthew, we read the following. Beginning in verse 36, it says this. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Okay, so let's just stop here just for a minute. So we have Jesus now going into Gethsemane. He, this is a garden, right? This is a garden we often overlook, by the way, except around Easter when we look at Good Friday. But this is a, um, believed to have been, um, you know, filled with olive trees and, you know, things like that. Um, and he brings with him his three friends, right? We know it's Peter, James, and John. These are his three best friends here on earth, right? He had other disciples. Most of them went, they were told to go away. But he brings with him his three best best friends. And he says, please come with me because I am grieved and distressed. Now there's something very interesting about the relationship Jesus has with his disciples there because first of all, he's a man here. Jesus is fully, fully man here. He is flesh and blood. Uh, he he is flesh and blood, and fully man. Um, and if you know anything about men, men typically don't go around asking for help. Okay, <laughs> just ask Randall. <laughs> Ask anybody, ask any real man. Uh, most men are kind of loners. They might have one good friend in their life and, and, you know, unless they're in the coaching or whatever, maybe they do. But, but you know, most men are not going to call up somebody and say, hey, dude, will you pray for me? You know, I'm having like a lot of anxiety and depression right now. They, they're, they're not going to do that. But Jesus was really, really tight with his disciples, especially these three, Peter, James and John. Um, so he says, my soul's deeply grieved to the point of death. Now that's important because that's, that's intense grief. And if you've ever had grief and you wanted to die, then you kind of get it. And so he's basically saying, Hey, remain here and keep watch with me. He didn't ask him to do anything except just stay there. And then he says, and he went a little beyond them and then he fell on his face And he prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Okay? Now, this is the popular, um, not my will, but your will prayer that Jesus prayed. It's repeated in a couple of the Gospels. Um, And we again, we can't miss this, because we know Jesus was tight with the Father. I mean, you know, hello, he's part of the Trinity. But... But from this perspective, he's the man calling out to God the Father, and he was being obedient to to the calling. The whole purpose for which he was called is now about ready to be fulfilled because of the garden now think about it go back and i just got done leading a bible study in hebrews this week so it's really fresh for me but when you go back to the virgin birth you have the incarnation of mankind you can look at philippians 2 and you can look at how wonderful that that's packaged there but you know you have a virgin birth uh where the holy spirit overshadowed mary and she gave birth to jesus Then you have him living his whole life walking in human flesh. He had a family. He had brothers and sisters. He had to learn obedience. um, He had friends. He had to learn. He went into the temple. He taught. Jesus lived among us. He was just like you and me. He had flesh and blood. The only difference is that he was God. But he laid aside the power of God to be a flesh, a human man. Um, and we can never, ever forget that because that's what makes this story the greatest story ever told. He, when he eventually got to the place of being tempted by the devil, he was genuinely tempted. And here he is being tempted. Don't miss it. He is being tempted. He is being tempted because he's asking the father, hey, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. You know, I was in, I was being tempted by the devil prior to this. He showed me all the pinnacles of the earth. He did this, he did that, and I withstood it. But Lord, now, here I am again, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And So then it says here and then you know he prays this and then verse 40 it says he came to his disciples and found them sleeping and said to peter so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour i can't even imagine the heartbreak that must have felt like to christ here he is reaching out to his buddies, asking him for one hour, one measly little hour of their time, just to stay awake and to pray with him from a distance. And Jesus goes on to say, keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time, and then he prayed, saying, my father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. So again, Jesus is laying it out, you know, and he's just like, Look, if if I have to do this, your will be done. And in verse 43, he says, Again he came forward and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again, and he went away and he prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is at hand. And then verse 47, it says, While he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came up accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs who came forward, or who came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one Seize sees him. And immediately Judas went to Jesus and said, Hail, Rabbi, and kissed him. And Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And I'm just going to stop it there because I want you to see something here. Jesus knew his hour had come. He was intimately acquainted with the Father and the temptation. But note where he went and where he was betrayed. He was in the garden. You know, gardens, generally speaking, are pretty places that are safe. People like to go there to relax, you know, to do stuff. But he went to a garden, even though he was tempted he didn't have to do what he was about ready to do. He asked for moral support, didn't really get it, and now another one of his disciples who he had hung out with forever, Judas, comes to him in that garden and kisses him and hands him over to the religious leaders of that day. Now mind you, God did this he did he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, but don't miss the temptation that, that, that Jesus had to go through here because it was massive. You know, this was a massive thing. You talk about the little minute temptations you might have as a recovering drug addict or a sex addict or, or somebody who struggles with temptation with, you know, a, a food that tempts you or whatever. You, you look at that temptation that you might have in your flesh. And ask yourself, number one, do you go to friends and ask for support? And do they fail you or do they actually support you? And number two, do you go to your father and say, hey, you know what? I need help with this. Can you help me with this? Because this is too big. Caving to temptation of the devil is what creates Pretty much every problem in the in the world you have, (laughs) true true story. I mean, when you really think about it, for the believer, we have the temptation every single day to walk down the worldly wise way of the world, or to walk the way that few go. You know, and that is walking the way of the master and saying, "Okay, not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done." You know, I don't want to go down this path. But if that's where you want me to go, your will be done, not my will, but yours be done. We live in a culture today where we are being told by the media various things. Some are truths, some are lies. And a lot of the fear that a lot of believers are struggling with right now is what do we do in regards to the vaccine? What do we do in regards to travel and food? And and is there going to be shortages of stuff? Is there going to be this? Is there going to be that? Blah, blah, etc. What do we do? And what I'm going to tell you is, you pray. And you ask God to lead you not into temptation, but to deliver you from evil. Because I guarantee you, here's the thing, Satan, if you're walking with the Lord, and you're close to the Lord, He's accusing you before the Lord, and God has at his discretion what he's going to allow Satan to do with you. I would tell you, if you know you're going to be sifted for a test, the best way to prepare for that test is by looking at the book where the answers are. And I would also tell you to memorize the answers that are in the book. Because if it comes to a place where you're being sifted, you're not going to have a book around you to be able to read. You're going to, whatever you have in your head is what you're going to have. And I think that time is coming here. Um, I think that time is coming uh, for believers where the rubber is going to hit the road. You know, it's going to meet the road and and you're going to have to to make a decision what path you're going to go down, what path you're going to believe. Where you're going to follow, what voice you're going to listen to, you know, and I know this. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with some stuff and I I can tell you that it's, it's on one hand, an honor to be targeted by the devil. but On the other hand, you're kind of like, okay, you know, so I want to encourage you in that. And um, I want to bring Randall on the screen here for a minute and, and just ask you bare face if you have any thoughts based on anything i just said and then we'll go ahead we'll get into some news if you're in the chat room over on youtube or facebook uh, say hi let me know you're there i can if i can see you i will say hi back
1: yeah plenty of thoughts i like what you just said about you know studying for the test you know if you know you're going to be sifted if you know you're going to be tested and you will um you know all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, will be persecuted. That's, that is a sifting, that is a testing uh, that comes from the world and, and ungodly people. So it is going to happen. Um, something my dad um, left with me, um, a piece of advice, I always did it often. He said, it's good to learn from your mistakes. It's better to learn from other people's mistakes. I will turn that around and say that it's good to learn from other people's successes. Uh, We have one person in scripture who was tempted in every way we are, yet without sin. And that is the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus. And you look at when he was tested, Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. I believe both of those record that temptation uh the way he responded to it the way he aced that test did not give in is with scripture mm-hmm. you know dayton said well you know if, if you are the son of god yeah yes. if if you are well turn these stones into bread uh, and he said it is written you shall, you know uh you shall not uh what he said you shall man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of god And then Satan, as I take it, 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 this is my commentary. It's not in the text, but he's like, oh, we're playing the scripture game. Are we? Well, the scripture says, you know, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down, you know, off this pinnacle for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over and Jesus baby. We are taking that out of context because it is written. It's also written. You should not tempt the Lord your God. Just because it says, this doesn't mean to put God to the test. Just because there's this promise here doesn't mean you test him on that. Um, um, And Satan is just, all right, forget it, forget this, you know, forget the games. Well, let's just let's let's tempt you with what you came here for. You came here to redeem the world. Tell you what, I'll give it to you. All right, now just have to, just have to fall down and worship me. And um, and and. But Yeshua, Jesus, still stuck with the scripture. It is written, you know, you should worship the Lord God only, and him only shall you serve. So um, he aced the test. He was tempted in every way we are yet without sin. And the way he passed that test is from what was written, what was written, what's in the book. And so, yeah spot on it would behoove us to not only study the book the textbook for life that gives us everything pertaining to life and godliness but to memorize it
0: yeah and you know i want, i do want to bring out the clarification you you mentioned um, i think is it I'm trying to remember it, it's it's 1 corinthians 10:13
1: says no no temptation uh, has
0: is is, is is common to man, man that he will not tempt you beyond what you are able yeah i think that's it yeah. so and, and and that brings up a fallacy right that we yeah. hear often often and this drives me crazy it really there's two really there's two things that really drive me nuts when i hear christians say it number one is when they call the book of revelation revelations It does
1: contain revelations, but it is the revelation is all part of the revelation. It drives me crazy
0: when people call the book of Revelation revelations. It drives it's just one of those things. It's like there's no S, okay, there is no S on Revelations. But and then the other thing is, is when they misquote that verse and they say, Well, God said He'll never put you through more than you can take. That's not what the Bible says. It's not. Stop that! <laughs> just. Uh,
1: Since he would not allow you to be tempted, and James tells us right. that God doesn't tempt anyone, but He does allow temptation to come. Right. And, and there's uh, a
0: whole step thing, a progression of temptation that there is. Yeah, so, but,
1: you'll, but there will always be a way of escape. Escape. Just, right. just ask. Just ask Jesus.
0: Right. So. So, with that said.
1: And, and stop some, saying
0: that if you say that, because I'll smack. And you sometimes
1: the way of escape, if you look at the cross, he says, if it's possible, you know, this cup pass, but if I, he was tempted not to go there, and the way of the escape was to go there, to lay down his life a ransom for many. Yeah. And um, and it may come to that for us. It has for many believers. Around the world, it's deny the Lord or lose your head, and they've opted to lose their head.
0: And it might come that way of the vaccine, you know. And, and I know, you know, un- the, the un-
1: injection.
0: Un- unfortunately, I'm not. I'm gonna stop talking about this topic because we, we're living in the thick of it, right? Especially my friends in California. Oh my gosh, you know. I'm gonna read you a story from the Christian Post, um, titled hope for unvaccinated people. I have to tell you something that cracked me up yesterday. I was in a meeting um in a networking meeting and there was a somebody that showed up to the meeting and they were all clothed in gloves and you know a mask and everything and and
1: and, that, and that
0: was fine. But
1: they feel safe.
0: They felt safe and they were like, "Yes, I'm vaccinated and everything." And I'm like, if you understood that the vaccine that you have can shed on me and I'm at threat because you're vaccinated, <laughs> I'm not getting near you. That was that was one of my thoughts, but whatever. Okay. Personal choice. It is. Okay, so I'm gonna read this article from the Christian Post. It says here, uh, it is with a broken heart that I write this. I never thought that I would be living this nightmare. Okay. Since the announcement of Ontario's passport system, this is in Canada, by the way. Not Province of Ontario. Not, not Ontario, California, um, it says here, <clears throat> Scott, <laughs> you're, you're very funny, uh, since the announcement of Ontario's passport system, I've seen my mental health severely deteriorate, and unfortunately, I do not see any end in sight, these words are from some of the messages I've received from unvaccinated people on how vaccine passports and mandates are affecting them, Unvaccinated people in Canada are being coerced into choosing between getting vaccinated or getting pushed out of their jobs, colleges, and society. Uh, We're forced to choose between something we don't need, the COVID vaccine, and something we need, our livelihood. Why are we being forced to lose our livelihoods over a vaccine that isn't guaranteed to protect our lives? I'm going to say injection. Passports. Do not make us more healthy. They make us more hopeless. Hopelessness is the prevailing theme in many of the messages I've received from unvaccinated people. I have been under severe stress since the passport was announced here in Ontario. I'm having difficulty sleeping and difficulty focusing on work or anything else. I'm submitting the following story on behalf of my 18-year-old cousin. I'm heartbroken for him and what these mandates mean to his ability to earn a university degree and earn a living. He is currently unemployed and very discouraged by life. And I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm saying this because this is, this is very common right now. I'm having a lot of mental anguish about this, this passport, and if I'm forced, I will have even more mental stress. I feel constant anxiety about this ever-tightening situation and the situations that are yet to come. Many, many more sleepless, anxiety-filled nights to come, I am sure. I'm depressed and cry every morning thinking about my future being ripped from me. I am so sad. I hope we are able to change the way things are going. I personally am frightened and even more frightened by the people who just shrug and say it's no big deal. Many unvaccinated people have become aware that the significant majority of people who consistently boast about how much they care about people suffering from systematic discrimination and quote mental health issues are simply opportunistic frauds nevertheless we shouldn't be frightened we shouldn't be anxious and we shouldn't be hopeless we should be hopeful I hope the messages I've received on the vaccine passport change the Ontario government policies. When Ontario's advocate for community opportunities and I share these messages with policymakers, we're hopeful it could make them end or at least restrain their oppressive policies. However, I'm not resting my hope. On better policies by the government. I'm not hoping for better politicians in government. My hope isn't in people who are more concerned about securing your, their jobs than securing my rights. Psalm 118, 5 to 9 says, In my distress I called to the Lord and he answered and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side. He is my helper. Therefore, I will look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. If we're distressed, we should pursue God in prayer. When the government oppresses us, God can set us free. If God is on my side, why should I I be afraid of the government? Why should I be afraid of of what they can do to me. God is my helper. It is better to take refuge in God than to trust politicians. It is better to trust God than to trust the government. If we trust God, then we should be hopeful. However, if we don't trust God, if we have not believed in Jesus Christ, we are hopeless. We do not have any basis for hope. You're not in danger if you're unvaccinated. You're in danger If you're unrighteous, your unvaccinated status isn't a death sentence. Your unrighteous status is. Though we're unrighteous by nature, we Christians have been declared righteous by God through Christ's life, death, and resurrection, received by faith. Our hope rests in Christ, knowing that just as he ascended into heaven, soon he will descend and return to earth. Do you believe this? Do you believe that? I believe it. Therefore, though some of us have been stripped of our rights over the vaccine, we know our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly anticipate the day when Jesus will return as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to renew the world and establish justice forever. That is our hope. If you're not a Christian, however, you do not have hope, not real hope. Who can you call on? at times when you're distressed? Who is on your side when you're afraid? If God isn't your helper, why why shouldn't you be afraid of what the government can do to you? If you don't love Christ, how can you look and triumph on those who hate you? But more than that, if you have not repented and trusted in Jesus Christ, you will suffer the wrath of God in hell forever. So above all else, please put hope, please hope in the gospel. Hope in Jesus Christ. The reason why I'm not hopeless despite my unvaccinated status is the same reason why I'm not hopeless despite my unrighteous status. Jesus Christ. Christ is the only real hope for unvaccinated and unrighteous people. Therefore, in my distress, I will call to the Lord and he will answer and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side. He is my helper. That is the hope for unvaccinated people like me. I hope you can say the same. So this was written by Samuel Say, who is a uh, He he's a, he came from Ghana. He's a Ghanaian Canadian. <laughs> that was hard to say, by the way, and I did it, man. I nailed that. Yeah, I did. I totally nailed that. A Ghanaian Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> who lives in Brampton? I need to get a gold star for that. Just saying. Uh, anyway, he lives in just outside of Toronto in Canada. A- anyway, here's the thing, right? I, now, here is the thing. I'm going to address this because I know somebody's thinking it. You're thinking, well, you know, um, it's so easy for you to say that we should just hope in God and and blah blah etc. <laughs> and what can man do to me? Because you know, man can you know kill me basically. Yes, it's true. The Bible talks about how for those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. They will. You will. You are going to be persecuted. It's promised. It's in the book. It says will. It doesn't say might be. It actually says if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will, 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 will be persecuted. You know, maybe it's a soft persecution. Maybe it's a harsh one. Maybe it will eventually take your life. The point is, is you're going to be if you are desiring to live godly in Christ. His point here is, is it's more dangerous to be unrighteous than it is to be unvaccinated. Just kind of drawing that parallel. It is. When you think about eternity and without Christ, you have people who are going to be in darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the fire is never quenched and the worm never dies. That is not a place I want any of you to go. I don't want any of you to go to hell. I don't want, you know, even my perpetrators who abused me and should have been thrown in jail for for years, in prison for years, I didn't want them to go to hell either. Because when you look at the reality of what hell is, a place... That was literally created for the devil and his angels mankind was never intended to go to hell that's not what it was created for it was created for the devil and his angels the demons we were not intended to go there but god gave us free will and he made the path so so easy though because he went to the cross which was what that garden was all about if jesus you know i was talking yesterday to somebody about my life and some of this stuff. If if I had made one choice different, and I'm not being dramatic here, but this is the truth. If I had made one choice different in my life regarding the abuse I went through, I may not be here today. That's That's very probable that I would have been murdered. And I'm not... I'm not saying that lightly. I'm saying that with that utmost seriousness because it was very possible. How much more so a choice where your eternity hinges on whether or not you accept a free gift? <laughs> in fact, I was in the study uh, on um uh, Monday night doing leading a discussion on hebrews and and um one of the ladies in the group. Um, she emphasized the free gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin is death. The wages, that's the payment. That's the payment for, for your sin is death, 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 death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus, right? So it's a free gift. Now let me ask you something. This is what they brought up. I thought that was so cool. They Have you ever been given a gift from somebody Of course you have. Over the weekend, my friend Jamie made me cupcakes for my birthday. She drove to my house and handed me six cupcakes that she made. And to me, that was a free gift because I didn't do a darn thing for it except be born. That was it. She just gave me some cupcakes. It was awesome. They were really good. By the way, she's great at cupcake making. But anyway, so I got these, these cupcakes, free gift to me. But not to Jamie. Jamie had to make them. She had to pay for the flour, the sugar, the chocolate, whatever it was she put in it. She had to go buy all of those ingredients, mix them up, bake them, get in her car, use her gas, drive to my house. And all I had to do was receive it because it was a free gift. That's it. That's all we have to do. Jesus did all this stuff for us from the foundation of the earth to becoming God incarnate, meaning he was God in human flesh. I mean, you think about an elaborate way to try to meet a need. (laughs) I mean, it does not get any better than that. It does not get any better than Christ as that free gift. And what he did for us was free for us and if we accept it we get eternal life right you know you might recall the story of um, Lazarus right Lazarus died and then um, Jesus didn't come when he was asked to come and then he shows up later and then uh, he declares to Martha and Mary hey I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me even though he die he will live and then he asks, do you believe this do you believe it That's my question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you believe in Jesus, even if you die, you're going to live? If you do, then you can be so bold in your faith in this culture that is, is, is just ramping up trying to destroy you, right? Because you're like, hey, I don't care. You know what? Death is graduation, Now, granted, most of us don't want to go out hard. We don't want to be murdered or anything. Uh, It would be nice to die in our sleep like my dad did. I mean, my dad passed into glory. He was sleeping, right? Um, But where we're going as believers, there's no fear. There's no fear, which is why I love this next story because, you know, Kids today have been told, don't read the Bible. You know, we'll take the Bible out of education. And there's another story over on the Christian Post titled, Students Nationwide Take Part and Bring Your Bible to School Day to Speak God's Truth into Culture. And this is a couple of days old, actually. But you know what? I'm only on once a week at this point. So I'm just going to read it now. Um, It says here, Hundreds of thousands of Christian students nationwide were encouraged to bring their Bibles to school on Thursday as part of a Christian advocacy organization's annual Bring Your Bible to School Day. Focus on the Family spearheaded its 8th annual Bring Your Bible to School Day as students were emboldened to share the Word of God with their classmates. The purpose of of the occasion is to have students read and treasure Scripture as God's holy Word, to encourage others with the hope we have in Christ Jesus, and to celebrate our religious freedoms in the United States. This annual campaign empowers Christian students of all ages to speak God's grace and truth into the culture around them, starting with two simple steps, bringing their Bibles to school and sharing what God's word means to them. Focus on the family program manager, Brett Eckleberry said in a statement. I'm just going to stop there just for a second. Those of you who are new to the show... You know where you truly got saved? That would be me. I got saved on the campus of La Sierra High School in Riverside, California in the early 80s. You know why? Because my my friend Gail literally brought a Bible to school and gave me the Bible and she shared the gospel with me after choir. So you don't think Reaching a child in a public school with a Bible is possible. Yours truly, that's where I got saved. And the Campus Crusade for Christ at the time. Student Venture is what it was called. It's called Crew now. But they had their, their weekly uh, Bible study on campus. And me and Gail went to it. We went into that thing. Mrs. Cardine, the, the student advisor, charismatic Catholic Christian, full, full of the Holy Spirit, she opened her doors to that classroom once a week. And she had me and Gail and one other student in that class with Steve and Rusty. Rusty played guitar. Steve shared the gospel every week. And those two men, Steve and Rusty, volunteered their time. Mrs. Cardine volunteered her time. Gail loved Jesus enough to tell me about it. And God only knows literally the fruit that's been born of that one sharing there. right? They're in school. So this article goes on to say, it opens doors for students to talk to their friends about the gospel. It connects them with other believers in their school, and it allows them to celebrate their religious freedoms in the United States. Focus on the families. Vice President of Parenting and Youth, Danny Huerta, told the Christian Post that it was too early to say whether participation in this year's event surpassed the more than 514,000 students who participated last year. That's half a million kids, people. Half a million kids. By the way, I actually used to work at Focus on the Family years ago as well. However, he noted that this year's registration totals surpassed last year's registration numbers. Our eventual goal is to get 1 million kids bringing their Bible to school or more, he added. It's basically just a starting point for kids to maybe start Bible studies in their school and or pray together in their school. Huerta said that while the bulk of participants in Bring Your Bible School Day are high school students or junior high school students, students can participate all throughout college. He emphasized that students have the freedom to bring their Bible to school in a public school setting as long as they're not disruptive in the school. Uh, Huartus said lunch, recess, as well as before and after school are appropriate times for students to share the Word of God with others. Yeah, that's what Gail did with me. Gail and me had lunch. We literally had brown bag lunch sandwiches. We would go sit on the bench right out front of La Sierra High School. We would sit on that that thing there, and Gail would tell me about Jesus. She told me about Jesus over lunch, which was usually a sandwich bologna or something with an apple or something. Um, so this stuff works. In the past, students attempting to participate and bring your Bible to school day have faced headwinds from school staff despite their established right to do so. Um the, the Religious Liberty Law Firm Alliance Defending Freedom said has been a resource that we appointed parents to and or students that have faced that adversity. He stressed that as long as bring your Bible to school day at a particular school is student-led, a teacher can participate in it and a principal can participate in it as well. We've been really, we, we've really been focused even more so now on the opportunity to offer hope, to invite peers and students in the conversation about God's word and about their faith and just standing courageously with love and hope. This is more about standing united and praying for one another and loving our school, praying for our school, praying for our nation, engaging in God's word so that we're guided and seek wisdom. He said the goal is much more unity, love, and hope rather than where the world is at right now. It's about inviting people into something that's very loving, which is a relationship with their heavenly father and with God's word. As the coronavirus pandemic significantly changed aspects of day-to-day life in the U.S. and around the world last year, Focus on the Family saw a new opportunity to engage with homeschool students. Uh, It gave us an opportunity to remind homeschool students that, hey, you can also participate, go on social media, intentionally engage with God's Word throughout the day, and share your favorite scriptures, he said. As a homeschooled student, as a private school student, it's so important to also participate and bring your Bible to school day. And so through the pandemic, we did a full online bring your Bible to school day where kids shared pictures of themselves with the Bible, he recalled. While bring your Bible to school day only happens once a year, the bring your Bible to school day website has activities that can help children and their families remain engaged with the Bible all year long. And I will tell you that... um, Uh, I'm just going to end it there because it's pretty much over. I will tell you, I have a good friend who is a public school teacher who chooses to be a public school teacher in the public school as a Christian, despite the persecution that's happening in those schools. And, um, and we are my, me and some friends encouraged her to play worship music without the words in her classroom (laughs) because Old hymns and worship hymns are so rich, and those God can even use that music to minister to a child if they want. So God's word in schools is awesome, and we need that to a generation. But I would also add, if you're an adult, most of you are, and you work outside the home, bring your Bible to your workplace, too. Hey, why not start a lunch Bible study at your house at your or or after school at your house after your job. Go, you know, bring bring your Bible to work. Read the Bible at lunchtime with your coworkers. You might be surprised who who would be interested. You might, right, Randall? I know I'm talking a lot.
1: Indeed, I was just about to go look out front to see what uh Grover was upset about, but I don't and, see anything. And my camera is frozen, apparently, so oh. you just get my voice. <laughs> um,
0: he, anyway. he is frozen. You can see his shoulder.
1: <laughs> but
0: he's a frozen chosen.
1: Uh, but years ago, uh, in my workplace, I started a prayer group before yeah. work. Uh, I remember people that. People call themselves believers, and I said, "Hey, you know, we're all believers in here. You anyway, know, why don't we uh, do a prayer group in the morning?" So. Yeah. And
0: uh, and it worked, didn't it? Yeah. It's pretty Good cool. Stuff. All right. Well Randall's camera's frozen and all that. All right, I got one more story I'm gonna share this hour and then next hour, yesterday was hey, National Coming Out Day again. That was so we're gonna look at that next hour. What? Can't hear you. Can't hear me.
1: Yeah, something's something's disconnected.
0: can you guys hear me on the on the thing here I right, hold on I can hear it. I can hear it
1: well there but you just cut out now
0: okay okay we can you can just hear barely me. Okay, okay all right one more story uh, this has to do, this is comes from ChristianityToday.com. And this is just kind of an update story in case how many of you have ever ever heard of the Gideons international uh, they put Bibles in hotels Well, check this out. Moving beyond hotel Bibles, Gideon's in Canada announced a new name. For those of you in Canada, uh, it says here, Say Gideon's, and the vision that comes to mind for most people is Bibles in hotel nightstands and pocket-sized scriptures passed out to students. It's a recognized brand with a well-publicized purpose, but it's getting a new moniker in Canada. Gideon's International in Canada will now be known as Share World global god has called us to expand our evangelistic efforts internationally and come alongside our brothers and sisters across the world with tools resources and inspiration to be faithful not just to brand a name but to jesus himself who instructed us to go and make disciples of all the nations said alan anderson share word president in the announcement this new name comes after a decade after the Canadian branch of Gideon's International distinguishing itself from its mother organization, the Gideon's International, which is headquartered in Nashville. There were several reasons for creating an autonomous Canadian organization, Anderson told Christianity Today. One had to do with the Canada, Canada Revenue Agency's requirements for reporting money that was being sent overseas, but there were also some ideological differences. The Gideon's in Canada wanted to open the organization to women, in the US, it remains um, a men only ministry. <sighs> That's because, yeah, the Gideons are over 100 years old, and so they're kind of archaic when stuff. Anyway, it says here sometimes the methods get confused with the purpose. What? Let's see. i fine. Really? Can you hear me? <laughs> he took my mic away. Hold that. <laughs> ah. Hi, everybody. <laughs> All right, now put it back. In the 17 years I've done this show, I've never had Randall steal my microphone in the middle of me talking. All right. It was just so bad. It okay. was
1: noisy and... All right.
0: Anyway, it says here, the Canadian organization also removed the vocational requirement that members be businessmen or professionals uh, who took steps to work more directly with churches. We were able to invest far more heavily in partnership, especially partnership with local churches. Anyway, I'm not going to read the whole thing because our time's almost up, but Randall, you are, you've been a Gideon for like 20 years or whatever. What do you think of that? Well, it's about time, right?
1: Which is about time. Welcome
0: to the 21st century for the Gideons International, putting women in positions where they can... Well, to say
1: it's a men-only ministry, that's not entirely true. Mostly, though. Mostly, yeah. And and a lot of the distribution points are are men-only. But then there are some distribution points that are women-only. Auxiliary. Yeah, the Gideons Auxiliary. They're places that women distribute the scriptures that men are not allowed to participate in. Hmm. So... Um, you know, there's the domestic violence shelters and few others that, uh, that's a, that's a women only ministry in the Gideons, but how knowing having, having had been anyway, uh, in the Gideons national for 17 years, um, I know that the, the separation of the Canadian Gideons, uh, Canadians was um, was a national organization that is self-funded, um, but basically it comes down to like I said, the Department of Canada Revenue is wasn't only money going overseas, but affiliation with other countries. Uh, much yeah. n- not exactly like the Three Self Church in China, but the Canadian Revenue Department put restrictions on them um, about. Basically, outside influence coming to Canada, and the only way they could survive doing the ministry was to sever themselves from the hmm. Gideon's International. Nice. Um, and so it was a at first a survival thing, and now that they're um, separated, um, you know, technically separated, yeah, then they can do these other things but um, nice Yeah.
0: alright well everybody hey thank you for tuning in to this hour of Bible News Radio I see Steven down there Debra uh, long term <coughs> supporter JDF Scott I don't know if you're still there but I love you man I've been thinking a lot about you too just wondering how things are going with you um, and Jeannie from Georgia of course she's there and whoever else is there thank you guys for tuning in um, I hope that this hour encourages you in your faith, um, and I hope that, you know, as you go throughout the week, you know, you consider a couple of things. Consider Jesus being tempted in the garden. Consider how you might be tempted and how you're going to stand. And also consider how you can share the gospel with somebody else or maybe lead a Bible study or something of your own in order to draw people in community because that's so needed right now, especially when the enemy is doing everything he can to try to separate people. Um, also, if you like what you do what we do, remember, our mission here is to reach the hearts of people one verse at a time. If you want to support us with a financial gift, you can do that to our nonprofit, HeartTug International by going over to hearttug.org. All right, next hour, we're going to talk about Coming out day, which was yesterday or two days ago actually. Um, as well as some other interesting news having to do with the homosexual lobby uh movies. But we also have some good news too. So, you know, come back in a few minutes. We got a relaunch for hour two. Um, but I want to say thank you again for tuning in. I hope you have a good day. And remember, be bold. Stand up, people, go with God, because he loves you.